It's time for another episode of Badugi All-Stars with your host, Tecmo Super Bowl, Nixon the Grouch, and 2-4 Offsuit. Welcome to episode 30 of Badugi All-Stars. This is Tecmo Super Bowl. This is Nixon the Grouch. This is two for offsuit. I almost <laughs> forgot who I was. Um, we have Tommy Angelo on the show today, who always makes for a great interview. Um, but before we get to that, uh, let's see. Let's go with Bryce. What have you been doing? Yes, I win. Um, <laughs> I, we went. We. It's not terribly exciting, I guess. But we went bowling yesterday. All right, come on. Let's I, go to Jordan. Sorry. Ah, damn it! I didn't. <laughs> I got the best story ever. Check this out. All right, cool. That's not true. Um, I went bowling yesterday for a work thing. I learned a very important lesson. When they put the miles per hour on the screen, it is not a challenge to throw the ball as fast as possible. What is when it? They start doing that. I haven't been bowling in 10, 15 years. Yeah. No? Well, yeah. <laughs> it was hard to get it through on the, when it was on the paper. You had to draw it. <laughs> um, no, this was like super high tech. You could pick which theme you wanted. We picked. Retro, which was pictures of tools and old people. We don't really <laughs> understand the theme. It was like, hey, a guy from a fifty guy from the fifties and a wrench. I don't. Um, but yeah, so they've had miles per hour. So I decided to stop using the ball I was using and find a lighter one that I could throw faster. How no one else get? was willing. Twenty four. Twenty four. That's pretty good. Yeah, I thought I could break twenty five, but I couldn't. <sighs> Did you break anything else? Yeah, is no. your arm sore as shit now? Yeah, it's a little sore. <laughs> but I won. And then I also threw the slowest that knocked a pin down. So I got both ends of the spectrum. Nice. 3.4 uh, miles per hour. The last time I went bowling, I tried to do the spin bowl. Like, you know, how real people bowl. Yep. Uh, but I have no idea how to do it. So I ended up just, with two hands, just <laughs> twisting it and throwing it down there. And it worked okay, but not I, great. I will tell you, two hands is not the, the key. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think it was, but I didn't know how else to do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's why but, you should go bowling at the at the Orleans and tell us if the smell is different or not. <laughs> We're still trying. Jury's still out on that. Yeah. The, the, I don't know. I got nothing. I'm trying to think <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. Perfect. Yeah, you should, you should try listening to the show sometimes. <laughs> um, so, what have you been up to, Tom? Um, just basically perusing dating sites. Uh, Bryce mentioned I, I was on Match.com, but Bryce mentioned uh, one called OK Cupid that I'd never heard of, but it turns out it's amazing. Um, You're welcome. Mostly because it's free, uh, but also because it's really, really well done. Um, Mostly and there's a, free, though. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, they got, like, a sweet free app, and it's just much free better again. than all the other ones. Um, and I've gotten, have like, you, I think... Go ahead. I was going to say, have you come up with a, a, a an approach that will draw the ladies in? I have. Uh, I There's a question on here that says, uh, what's the most private thing I'm willing to admit? Um, and I... It used to be what I came out the gate with before was that I dated a girl for three months who then told me she was married. Um, 
Which, you know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, it happens. Not that private, yeah. though. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of. I mean, I mean it just told her. it to all of our listeners. It's so. private for her. It's still private. But it's slightly less private, but still pretty private. <laughs> um, but then I, I recently changed it up uh, to I'm not gay, but Matthew McConaughey has been known to make my panties slightly damp. What? He's so, he's so damn charming. And that's my new method. How's that working out for you? Well, I got my first message from a dude last night, <laughs> unsurprisingly. Yeah. The question I have, though, is do you think you got the message from the dude because you like Matthew McConaughey or you told him you wear panties? I don't know. I, I wonder if we share the like of Matthew McConaughey or share the like of wearing panties. No, no. <laughs> Don't I'll actually, just panties. leave that one alone. <laughs> you know how you can find out the answer to the question? You can reply to that message. Yes, I could. You didn't uh, reply? I didn't. Yeah. I don't feel... He just got it last night. He hasn't figured it out. It takes a while to think about what you want to say back to the person. <laughs> this is awesome. I literally just got a message on here. And From one of our all listeners. Says, all it says is, are you, are you sure you're looking for a woman? <laughs> <laughs> this is obviously a great strategy, Tom. Yeah, the strategy might not be working out so well. <laughs> is that message from one of our listeners? They're, are they that on top of things? They've traveled back so. in time and sent it to you? Her name is Lady Tramp, so I don't know. That, uh, that doesn't sound promising either. Ask, <laughs> can, you, it's, can you reply to her and ask which part made her ask that? Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah, because then you're yeah. not... You don't have to reply to the guy like you didn't want to. Maybe this will be the beginning of a beautiful relationship between you and Lady Tramp. <laughs> I hope there's no spaghetti involved. Please, uh, please do that. <laughs> that was that was good, Tom. That was subtle but good. Uh, please do it so that we can update next week on the podcast, and and we'll figure out and we'll uh, fine tune your your dating strategy here. All right. Yeah, if any of our listeners uh, yeah. have suggestions on why that's a bad idea, please send us an email at badoogieallstars at gmail.com. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what I've been up to. What about you, Jordan? Well, uh, la- last podcast, we were about to have a sweet um, yard sale type thing. And so I'm here with the results of it, uh, which are that we lost money on the yard sale. Oh. Which was kind of sad. money on a yard sale? Well... What we we're gonna Are you do paying is people to take mar- stuff. Marketing no. budget. <laughs> yeah, it was the marketing <laughs> budget. What I still haven't we... received your wardrobe, by the way. Uh, well, you may want to sit tight for the story then. <laughs> okay. Has Tom received? Has Tom sent you the fifty cents? No, he has not sent me the fifty cents or that his address. Yeah, <laughs> or his address. <laughs> Those may be related. Um, so what happened was is that we were going to start because in Colorado here it's been really really hot over the past like month three months even just insanely hot and so we wanted to start early in the morning to get most of the stuff done with so that by it got hot by the time it got hot in the middle of the day we wouldn't have to be outside anymore so at 8 a.m. is when it was supposed to start we got all the stuff laid out in the driveway everything's good. And then the HOA lady comes by and is like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, obviously, this is pretty self-explanatory. There's a yard sale. <laughs> we're moving our stuff out, out here. <laughs> and she's like, oh, out. you guys can't do that. 
And my girlfriend was just crushed. She was like, wait, what, why? And turns out that the HOA has like a, a one yard sale per year and everybody in the community does it. And any time other than that, you're not allowed to do it. So we had to go take down the signs that we paid for our marketing budget was a flyer or poster board and markers and we weren't able to sell anything. So we Bummer. just, t- we just took it all to the, uh, to the thrift store and donated it. So Including even the my stuff- wardrobe. Yeah, I was going to say, you. how much did you spend on posters? $10. Do you think you could have sold $10, $10 worth of clothes to Tom? No. You guys could have covered this loss. Yeah. Well, if, if he's just... only paying me $0.50 cents for a shirt. Plus shipping. Plus shipping. The shipping goes to the shipping. <laughs> no, you gotta build a little. You got to build a little juice in. Well, what about handling? Yeah. Okay, handling, you, yes. You I, I still have some. <laughs> If you still want some, but yes. remember, you're gonna have to. The neck's gonna be a little tight, so you're just gonna Whatever. have to do the uh, Patrick Antonius and button as many buttons as you would undo from the top. That's how many you actually do from the bottom. Well, so the thing is, if he's going for that Matthew McConaughey shirtless look, he's not gonna have the shirt on for very long anyway. Ooh, That's true. good call. So it's yep. kind of just like a scarf. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of something just to have about. Like, where's your shirt? Oh, it's over there. <laughs> wow, that... You were much smaller when you got dressed this morning. Connie <laughs> should totally come out with a scarf shirt line. Would you buy it? Um, yeah, and po- post the pictures on your dating profile. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like that's what Magic Mike is. Is it's basically Tom's future dating profile. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I haven't seen it, but apparently it's very popular with the ladies. There you go. See? Unlike your dating profile. <laughs> but, you, yet, yet. You're popular with the tramps. <laughs> it's a lady. A lady hey, tramp, but still a lady. If if lady tramp listens to this, don't you don't want to offend her. I, I got nothing bad to say about her. Other than she's that, she's a tramp. <laughs> I mean... Well, uh, she she kind of established that with uh, her username there. Yeah, so I feel like she owned it. So Maybe it's an ironic. She made us really like the movie. <laughs> um, so, I yeah. the Urban Dictionary definition of tramp, and it's any woman who will open her legs for anyone except for me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Maybe, Thanks for I that. Anyways, but uh, let's, I would like to note that is the most research Tom has done on this podcast in six weeks. So. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So um, the hardwood floors are in. Actually, they're they're getting finished up as as we're recording this, and they're Did awesome. Did you figure out what kind of hardwood floor it is since you couldn't describe it last week? Um, no. <laughs> Fair enough. But if you hear any like. Uh, hammering or uh, sawing in the background. That's what's going on. Yep. Um, Are any juggling going on in the background? That's my place. <laughs> I, I hire a juggler while we do this. Keep, keeps you on track. Awesome. <laughs> so, traps, <laughs> it's yeah. not Tom. Yeah. <laughs> if you hear any dudes, it might be Tom's place. <laughs> Cool. Anyway. So, do you have a uh, a hand for us this week, Tom? I do. Is um, it played better than last week's hand? I wouldn't go that far. 
Um, I don't know. I think it's one of those hands that can go a few different ways, but uh, we'll see. That's what you thought about last week's hand, too, though. <laughs> That's what people think about my dating profile. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, we'll just jump right into it. Uh, this is, we, I think we were eight-handed. Uh, it's a 1-2 no-limit game at my buddy's house, and uh, the effective stack was 150. And uh, guy in early position opens to 8. Guy in middle position calls, and I'm on the button with king 8 of hearts. Um, now, I think... I've, I've thought about this, and I think my rankings here for the three options go something like fold three bet call in that order um but i think they all have merit to some degree because he, he may have a weak ace <laughs> or or he could have a pocket pair that's turning <laughs> into a bluff yeah. do you have do you have reads on the other two guys okay uh early position um kind of just a a regular um c bets fairly often um I don't really have any strong reads on him. Does he open loose under the gun or in early position, I guess? Uh, I would say he's not a nit, but he's not a lag. Uh, I don't really have any helpful information. <laughs> Could um, you construct a hypothetical range for him, perhaps? Um, yeah. Uh, Could we you know share it with us? Pairs. <laughs> pairs, broadways, suited aces... Um, you know, nine ten suited, stuff like that. I'd say that's probably near the bottom of his opening range. Okay. Uh, anything about middle position? Um, solid, kind of tighter player um, who can make. Well, when I when I when I say solid, I mean like not spewy, not a, a bad player, um, and can make folds. You know, if when he thinks he's beat. Uh, Trying to think what his 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 calling range there obviously a little bit wider, um, probably suited connectors at the bottom of his range there, low suited connectors. How good of a hand would he need to three bet the uh, initial raiser for him to three bet the early position guy? Yeah, uh, minimum queens. Okay, maximum aces. and would would he three bet ace king also uh i think he would consider i would think i would expect him to flat ace king most of the time okay cool Uh, so why do you think folding is best well i mean king eight suited not that great of a hand um especially against an early position opener who can have us dominated some amount of the time. Uh, so it's not like we're calling to hit top pair with a king eight suited. Um, and I just think, you know, it's not that great of a hand against an early position open range. Okay. Um, my thoughts on why calling has some merit is that we're on the button. Um, we have a hand in the, in king eight suited that... You know, top pair is sort of a backup option, um, 
but we can play it aggressively. We can play draws aggressively um, and can get fancy if we need be based on reads or anything, um, physical tells that we see. Um, but like I said, that's my least favorite option mm-hmm. is calling. Um, and then my, and then squeezing to uh, three betting is not bad either because, you know, suited king has some blocker value. Um, I expect to get a fair num- fair amount of respect uh, just because there's not a lot of three betting in this game. And um, probably because you're one of the best players, obviously. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, No, but my other one read that I didn't mention is that early position player um, it pretty much never folds to a three bet, but will uh, play pretty much fit or fold on the flop. That would have been a handy read to have up front. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just it just don't have me when thinking about three betting. I, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen them fold to a three bet. And seriously? Um, yeah. Never. Like maybe once, but he he's he's the type that will call. He's he's the type that you know is like oh got to defend my big blind. So if he raises, um, it's almost like he's defending his raise. Okay. So what what did you decide to do? So for some reason, at the time, I felt calling was best. Um, just wanted to kind of play. It. I was tr- my strategy that night was to try to play a little differently. Like normally, I probably would have just folded. Um, but my strategy for that particular night was to find opportunities to get involved in hands as as often as possible um, to to really exercise my post flop edge um, and also, you know look to be in position as often as possible. So with that strategy mindset, um, I thought, okay, well, here's an opportunity to play an okay hand in position. Um, but like I said, afterwards, I think it's my least favorite option, but I don't think it's horrible. I think that if you were going to, if that was your plan where you want to play like a okay hand in position, you might as well just have the initiative and position. Um, and I think that if you, given kind of the the reads that you have, if the if the other guys kind of play, you know, really fit or fold, then we don't really mind if he calls because we have position, and then we also have you know a hand with decent equity, and then we probably don't have to worry about the middle position that much since you said he was, yeah, you know. I think middle position. If I three bet here, I think middle position folds like ninety eight percent of the time. What? You just said <laughs> that you wouldn't three bet ace king. Yeah, I, I just, so that's, the two, that's the two percent. Yeah, okay. I mean, uh, let's, there's going to be some portion of his range that is strong enough to call a three bet, but it's a very tiny portion. So like ace king, jacks, tens, nines, eight, ace queen, uh, queen. I think he'd fold nines and possibly tens. What? <laughs> Are you just making things up now? No. They'd probably fold aces, just misclick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think he's gonna three bet kings and aces and maybe queens, um, and then the only hands he's gonna defend to a three bet out of position are gonna be hands like ace king. Even if the other guy calls, if the other guy calls, obviously that opens it up a little bit more, but I'm if I if I three bet here, it's not going to be to a, like a small amount. If I three bet here, you know, it'll be if he opened for 8, you know, I'm going to make it you know, 
at least 30, I'd say, probably. Okay. Do you have um, a reason for doing that, or are you just, that's what it's going to be? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's big. It no, because, that, because of that guy's weakness of calling so many three bets and then playing fit or fold, I want to get max value per I thought we were doing this as a bluff. <laughs> no, but it's yeah. value though, because it's a bluff. It's value. It's the bluff value of raising and then him folding on the flop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I know what you mean, but um, no, but it's I mean, an aggressive yeah. call. I, I don't. Ex- All right, so let's let's tone it down a little bit. I expect Whoa. middle position call. <laughs> you know, always. <laughs> maybe 10 percent of the time okay cool so uh really i mean i, I i'm just gonna leave him okay if you think if you think he's calling less than 25 percent of the time i think you need to rethink his range the range you gave us before uh-huh. like the amount of it that is stuff that i would expect to not fold is higher than 10 percent. but anyway Let's pretend it's ten percent. Anyway, okay. it might be eleven percent. That's just, uh, I'm willing to go to eleven. All right, I'll the, take it. <laughs> at this rate, we'll, we'll get to a hundred in like ten more minutes if we keep going. Um, that's, so, that's a big that's a big if though. So, so you end up calling, and what happens on the flop? Well, what are your thoughts? I mean, on the best play there, pre-flop. I just thought I said that. I, I thought we should do that. <laughs> you said you said three bet for sure. Yeah. Okay. You, three you bet, like that three bet over folding? Uh, I, I do like that, um, just because I don't know if... From what I think the players are playing like, based on Tom's reads, <laughs> I would say that I would like three betting. Because I would expect to get a decent amount of folds or to set up like a pretty profitable situation post-flop. Um, you know, I, I think that... Uh, you are... You know, when you say, like, okay, this guy never folds the three bets, but he's opening, you know hands like you know nine ten suited uh you know broadways meaning like jack ten off no meaning like king jack off um so would be the smallest ball. offsuit one you realize jack ten's a broadway right you say broadways well su- suited broadways that that small okay so i don't know it, it seems like we're gonna all right 12 percent get... okay <laughs> <laughs> So that would that would be I would say three bet and then folds and then I like call least as well. Okay. All right, so I call naturally, uh, <laughs> best player in the game, um, and so the pots eight plus three twenty four or eight times three twenty four plus the blinds twenty seven. Um, the flop comes. I have king of hearts, uh, eight of hearts. Uh, the flop comes, ace of hearts. Queen of Clubs, Seven of Hearts. So I flop the Nut Flush Draw on Ace Queen Seven board. Uh, the early position uh, opener bets twelve. Middle position calls. Um, so obviously we're not folding here. Um, do you like calling uh, with the Nut Flush Draw or raising? using our equity and trying to get some fold equity. So the pot's like before he bets 27? Yeah, it's 27 and then bets 12 and gets a call. So add 24 to that, so 51. So 12 into 51, okay. Um, 12 into 27. Well, you have to call 12 into 51. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
So what what did you what do you like? What do you like now? And then what did you actually do? <laughs> <laughs> do you think Ivy gets asked that all the time? What'd you do at the time? And now what do you think is best, idiot? Um, <laughs> Except for the idiot part, maybe. Um, so anyway, uh, at the time I'm thinking, okay, well, I, I can obviously call here. I think that's pretty profitable, 12 into 51 with a nut flush draw. Um, so my first thing is, okay, what is early positions range for betting here? Um, I think it's pretty polarized to either... Ace X or Air. Um, I don't think he's going to be just randomly C betting, you know, Queen Jack suited here with the Ace out there. I think he'd go into a check call mode or or even a check fold depending. Um, so anyway, I think he's you know like I said pretty polarized. Uh, when middle position calls, I think he can have an Ace, a flush draw. Possibly a queen, um, or maybe a straight draw, uh, like King Jack. Um, so his range isn't very strong uh, most of the time. Okay. So I think a raise will fold out early positions air, which obviously isn't the greatest thing, but um, folds out early position, positions air and folds out most of middle position's weak range. Um, so we can take down the pot right here. Um, and if we're called, we have a fair amount of equity to bail us out. Um, not to mention if we raise and get called, there's a very, very, very good chance that we're going to get checked to on the turn. And if we don't think we can make them fold on the turn, we can uh, check behind and, and get a free card. Um that's pretty much my entire thought process on raising. Um, as for calling, uh, it's it's just you know it's it, we can call. We have not flush draw, so we can just hope to hit. Uh, we're getting good immediate odds, good implied odds, um, and if someone else like middle position has a lower flush draw, we don't necessarily want to raise them out of it um, if we're gonna overflush someone. Um, but I don't know how often that happens because not only do they have to have the flush draw as well, but then the flush draw has to hit as well. So I don't know how much weight to give that consideration. Because um, that would involve math. <laughs> <laughs> and thinking about the range. Both yeah, of those yes. things are not likely to happen. Um, but, I mean, it's very, very profitable when it does happen. Um, so it's worth considering. What do you think, um, Bryce? <laughs> I think Tom should pay more attention when he's playing poker. That's what I think. Um, I Calling to me seems... I, I think raising is not going to work out very well, but if you think these guys are never folding the three bets, you think that they're bet folding the flop? Well, I don't know. If, if they have, for example, if early position has an ace, I don't think he's bet folding um, the flop with an ace, but he may What if he has, like, queen-jack... Then I don't expect him to see that. What if really? he has a pocket pair that he's turning into a bluff? That would never happen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with Bryce. I think that um, yes. your your idea of, of raising here, like 
you just you know you're getting such a good price why you know isolate yourself against like the parts of their range that you know have you in bad shape like yeah. you you have without the air and only go up against their strong aces and stuff like that and i think that overflushing somebody is not like as remote of a possibility as you're making it seem you know this this guarantees that um people with lower flush draws are going to stay in so that you have the opportunity to win their whole stack. Also, if you start raising now, you know, the stacks weren't even full stacks to begin with. So you're going to start getting pretty shallow and then not have a lot of options on I'm the Definitely turn. shallow. Yeah. So, like, if, if you raise, what would you make it? Um, 12, so 12 into 51. Um, I think... Something even as small as thirty six would would get the job done of obviously not something that you know you necessarily want, but getting the job done of folding out the weaker parts of the range. Okay, um, and I mean another thing to consider is like this guy's betting like less than half pot as a c bet multi way. You know he's probably not that conscious of pot size, we may just get odds on the turn directly to draw if we break the turn. Yeah, that's true. You know, so I think that just playing it, you know, we have, we want to keep like weaker draws in. We don't want to get too crazy against hands that he's never going to fold like Ace-X. Um, I mean, we may get him off of like some Queen-X hands, but, you know, I think that there's probably more value in calling, I would say. Yeah, I, I think we could get it. we could get them off Queen X hands later if we decided to, right? As well, just us calling doesn't rule out, rule out us having an ace. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a very good point. Thanks. Um, so what'd you do? Obviously, I raised. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't remember the exact amount I raised to. Probably something like thirty six to forty. I thought you were gonna say a totally different number than what <laughs> yeah. you said before. <laughs> like, to like sixty. <laughs> yeah, to like I I think I left myself with two dollars. Um, no, uh, I raised and they both folded, but that's kind of irrelevant. Um, I think it's, it's somewhat likely that, uh, early position just had air, but I also think it's somewhat likely that I could have folded out a worse flush draw from middle position. And, and that's okay too, because like, you know, if they both check to you on the turn, then we can just bet and take it down. Like same result happens, but we at least get a chance to, you know, overflush somebody yeah yeah which is why i brought the hand up because i think i misplayed the two important parts of the um i called pre when i looked back on it and thought i should have either three better folded and then i raised the flop when i thought i should have just called what are, nice. the, unim- what are the unimportant parts you think those are the two important parts <laughs> what else what did you do correctly in this hand um well when i was perusing my ipad uh, yeah <laughs> And eating cake, it was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Awesome. All right. Yep, that was it. And remember, if you guys have hands that are better than Tom's, which shouldn't be hard, uh, please send them to padugiallstars at gmail.com. All right, why don't we, we uh, yeah. Why don't we throw it over? Hug- hugging the rail. Hugging, hugging the rail. The rail. <laughs> <laughs>
and we're back with TJ. How are you doing, TJ? Good. How are you? I'm um, doing pretty good. I'm great. Great. Tom, how are you? Oh, Tom doesn't know how to come back when he's supposed to. <laughs> uh, that's okay. We'll we'll uh we'll have Tom comment in the thread. Tom, what thread? <laughs> we have a thread. <laughs> exactly. We can't get Tom to show up to record the segment. How are we going to get him to show up to comment in a thread? Because it's on his own timeline. Fair enough. What room are we doing today? Um, Treasure Island. Ooh. Um, yeah, I played a session there last night. Actually, um, I've been I've been wanting to go back there for a while. It's actually the first um, first poker room I ever played in Vegas some four or five years ago. Um, but I really haven't been back since. So I've been wanting to go check it out for a while now. It's a um, it's a one three uh, no limit game with a five hundred dollar cap. Uh, so it's pretty pretty decent structured game. Is there a gold treasure to be found? Um, in terms of uh, poker players, a, li- a little bit. No, I meant um, just like laying around the casino. No, there was none. Ah, Did you try digging for it? Would you see an X? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> no. that marks the spot. I don't know if you knew that. I did. <laughs> cool. So, um, how how is the room set up? How's the staff? <clears throat> um, the room it's it's a it's a pretty small room. There's there's eight tables in there. Um, I was in there uh, last night, which was Saturday night. Um, I got there a little after ten, and there was only there were only three no limit tables going. There was still um there was they had a tournament that was still running. There was one um. They were at the the final table. They had, but it looked like they started with uh, forty people. So they had four tables. They started with four tables. So half the room was was the tournament. Half the room was cash game. Uh, but by the time I left at two thirty, there was only two tables going, both of which were shorthanded. So I mean, a Saturday night, they don't. I guess they just don't get much traffic in there. <clears throat> but the game's not bad. Um, it was a it was pretty much uh, exclusively uh, drunk tourists, which was which is pretty nice. Um, they were they were throwing some money around. There was a guy that I mean he literally peeled off I think eight hundred dollars in about an hour and a half. Um, didn't get much of it, but he was he was throwing it around the table pretty good, and everyone else was pretty much pretty much drinking and just just playing around so the game seems like it could be pretty good i guess would you guess that it's just people who are in town for vacation and staying at treasure island yeah that's that's what it seemed like it doesn't seem like there's too many people going out of their way to go play there um it it felt like it was pretty much all people staying there just drinking um i think a couple of them just walked by the poker and decided to play a couple of them really didn't even know the rules or whatnot so it seemed like a good game. Um, it's pretty high rake. They do <clears throat> their rake's kind of weird. They do a four plus two, which is which is pretty high six total. But they don't take two right away on the flop, the jackpot drop. Mm-hmm. They do it's ten percent up to four dollars for their for their rake, and then for the jackpot drop, they do they drop one dollar um, for the first ten dollars in the pot, and if the pot reaches thirty dollars, they drop the second dollar for the jackpot. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I Would mean, you say the only games that they're going to run there is going to be that 
you know, their small tournaments and then like a one three. And the one three no limit. That's the only thing they um that's the only thing they had listed. Um I do know we had like a, a little unofficial deuces crack me up there maybe a year ago. Um and it was like four deuces crack members and then one of the one of the guys had he was there on business, he had like <clears throat> like five guys with him and we asked him to run a two four limit just so we could sit down and mess around and they ran it. Um but I don't know that they run any like mixed games or Omaha or anything, I doubt it. Gotcha. Um how was the coffee? Um the coffee was okay. Wait. It wasn't great. Yes, coffee? I, got, I, I got coffee. I got coffee last night. I told you guys I would. I didn't lie. You told us you'd smell the Orleans, and you never did that. <laughs> I've smelled the Orleans. I just haven't smelled the bowling alley yet. Fair enough. Good point. Okay. <laughs> so I'm guessing if you got the coffee... Wait, how did you say it was? It was okay. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It wasn't watered down like some places that I've been to. <clears throat> Mirage. Yes. No, just I, kidding. I wasn't going to call out the Mirage on the podcast. Just, what if just they're kidding. Listening? Just kidding. It, it just wasn't. Kidding, it wasn't that bad. Just kidding, Mirage. We'll come back for the coffee, Mirage. Yeah. Um, yeah so, if Tom doesn't listen, the Mirage doesn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know? I know. Anyway, Bryce has all kinds posters. of behind-the-scenes stats that he gets to look at. No, I just call the Mirage and say, "Have you listened to Bidugi All Stars?" They say, "What?" And then I hang up, and I know that's a no. Hi, can I speak to the Mirage? (laughs) Anyways. uh, Mr. Mirage there, please. (laughs) Um, Or Mr. (laughs) Iraj. Okay. So you didn't have the green tea then? I didn't have green tea. Are you going to go back? No. I mean to play again. Um, unlikely. You just um, said how good the games were. Well, the games were good, but I mean, <clears throat> it's it's such a small room. <clears throat> like I said, they they don't get much traffic. Uh, there's I have games that I I really like playing compared to that one. Um, one of the things that is kind of annoying is I didn't realize this. I thought they were MGM property, but they have their own players card. It's just a TI card. So um, no, I think they just... got they got sold. I think I think they sold them off when they were doing um, what's that the mall thing where the Aria is. Oh, you think you, you mean MGM sold them off? Uh huh. I think so. Yeah, yeah. So they like, just I stayed at MGM last year and they had the players card brochure and all the Treasure Island references were crossed out in pen. So oh, right, yeah. So <laughs> so they did they did used to be an MGM property, but now they just have their own players card, which is another another card to put in my wallet, which I don't need. Um, so that's kind of a pain. I mean, I, I, they are running a promotion, which I think if you play up to like 50 hours, they pay you uh, $10 an hour. It's like a tier system, and that's like the max. So, I mean, I guess if you were looking to get some kind of um, a rakeback type deal, that is a pretty decent promotion, but I, I can't imagine it'd be ideal to try to put in 50 hours at that room 50 hours total or 50 hours a week 50 50 hours a week oh wow yeah it's a lot um i think it starts at like 20 hours and you get like six bucks an hour and then it goes up every 
10 hours every two more hours you play so 20 30 40 50 you get like a different rate i don't know exactly what the rate was cool so aside from it being a small room and the games being good what is your favorite part about it um it's it's a really nice room i mean everything is relatively new um big comfy chairs um it's it's really nice really clean it's it's pretty it's pretty secluded um a lot of a lot of the smaller Vegas rooms are kind of just roped off areas in the middle of the casino. This is actually a, a separate room. It is it is on the walkway, but it, you don't really get too much. Uh, it, it's pretty loud, but you don't get too much smoke or anything. There's not really any. There's no one really stopping. It's not really in the casino area. It's kind of through the uh, the walkway by the by some of the shops. If you've been through TI by the self parking, there's like a long strip of shops. The poker room is just kind of in the middle of there. Nice. And the part you like the least? Um, I never liked the high rake. That that's no fun. But um, I just it it just seems I I don't like that they have their own players card, which is a pain. It just seems like the traffic in there is probably pretty low. So I doubt you can go in there like on a two and expect to to have a full game going. True. All right. Um, anything else to add? Um, did you watch the pirate show out outside? I didn't watch the pirate slash fire show outside. Were there pirates in the poker room? <laughs> Do the dealers have to dress up like pirates? No. Would, Would you, you go a... back if that were true? Uh, probably not. <laughs> Wouldn't you get a bad beat if you say, well, shiver me timbers? <laughs> no. I, it's a rule. It's posted on like the poker room rules. It's the it's, it's like part of the, the bad beat jackpot. If you don't say, "Well, shit for me, you timbers," don't you don't jackpot. get it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right, TJ. Uh, thanks for coming on. All right, thank you for having me, guys. All right, we are on with Tommy Angelo. How are you doing, Tommy? Great. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that these are all one-word answers. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so, so, what have you been up to this summer? Well, for my <laughs> summer vacation, I thought you were going to stop. I went well. to Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I was down at the WSOP a couple weeks. For a couple of weeks, as as usual, and the uh, last few years, that's p- my main poker outing. That's when I get all my main poker playing in, see everybody. I I think this was probably tied for my worst World Series ever. Looking forward, in that, and you know, I didn't see any of you guys there. So <laughs> someone count that as a good thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I was listening to your show last week, and I I'm trying to play along with this theme of, of like a fundamental undercurrent of disappointment okay (laughs) (laughs) really disappointing i feel like if you listened to last week's episode you probably absorbed a lot of that feeling of disappointment yourself yeah it's still it's still with (laughs) now i just listened to it so (laughs) So, yeah it was it was great i i um you know i play play a lot of 510 in the at the rio which i love the mississippi straddle you know, if you're familiar with all that, it's just a fantastic little game. I don't know. It's just it's just great. It, basically, the game plays about like 
between 510 and 1020 and there's no cap on the buy-in so it's really fun game to play i really look forward to that now i've heard different rulings on mississippi straddles what is what is the how does the rio do it the rio does it in the 510 game um it's a straddle that only the button can do button puts up 20 and now the minimum opening bet is 20 and the action starts on the small blind so i think it would be a great play you know even without that last thing but when you start the action on the small blind meaning you know if it comes back around to me and nobody's raised i'm seeing the flop no matter what can't get squeezed off the hand by the blinds and um it's just it's great and i I use it to kind of read the game because if you got generally speaking the guys who do it every time are going to be tough players generally speaking and the guys who never do it are either going to be soft or uh, either bad players or, you know, predictable, a little bit more timid. Or just, gen- or just very- nits. What's that? Or just nits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tom wouldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tom doesn't even like posting a big blind. <laughs> Tom hardly posts a big blind. He's so nitty, he just like sits out every round. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Table blind. change. <laughs> That's a great way to dodge the block. I sit. I, I only play in rooms where you don't have to post when you <laughs> when you come in. <laughs> uh. I had one really really funny thing happen. Do you guys know who Matt Flynn is? Wrote professional mm-hmm. Nobel. Yep. Have Absolutely. You had fun? Yeah. Yeah. Friend oh, of the show. Oh, friend yeah. of the show. Cool. Yeah, he actually yeah. staked me in the triple draw for some reason. Fool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not very smart. So, he, he made it deep to the end of day three in the main event and was kind of texting some updates. It was pretty pretty fun to watch. Uh, so anyway, we were real good buddies back when he lived in San Francisco. We played out here all the time. And now now we have a little tradition of playing once a year, five ten at the real. Okay. So we're playing. And um I generally don't get recognized in these games. You know, there's a very few pictures out there and you know i think a, a decent number of the guys in this particular player pool probably would recognize my name um so anyway we're, we're playing match in the one seat and i'm down at the other end like the eight seat and the guy in the two seat is is a guy young guy really sharp player who i'd played with many hours earlier in the week so matt and i were texting a little bit back and forth because we just got out to dinner together with ed miller and some other folks at uh lemongrass and oh, we ran into antonio over there that was pretty cool that was so after we, after he won the one drop wasn't it yeah yeah it was after that yep yeah yeah i saw matt flynn posted a picture of him and antonio oh yeah i think i took that picture oh all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay so anyway um so matt and i are feeling great after dinner we're sitting there playing so we're texting a little bit and i was in just a particularly good mood and and the guy sitting there in seat two, somehow, you know, he was watching very closely and somehow he caught on that we were texting. Like he must have seen me type and heard Matt's thing go off and watched him look. And he said out loud, hey, are you guys, you know, texting at the table? Mm-hmm. And I said, I looked at him and I was like, well, yes, but not about poker. And I said, I'll be happy to show you what I wrote. And so I'm talking, he's in the two seat. I'm all the way down at the eight, eight seat. Right. Yeah. And so then Matt 
takes his phone and holds it to the guy and shows it to him what I wrote. And the only thing I had texted to Matt was, I love this. That was my text. <laughs> I was just sitting there like poker Nirvana, right? And all I texted him was, I love this. And kind of meaning I love being there with him, especially, you know. Yeah. And and um, so Matt shows the guy the text. And then the guy says and pulls it back. And then the guy says, let me see that again. And what he had seen was my name on the text. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, so, and so Matt looked at him and said, I'm watching this whole thing. But then Matt told me later. He's like, and Matt says, it's him, you know, to the guy. But <laughs> <laughs> so now, you know, my cover's blown, you know. And then the game, the game sort of wilted soon after that because, like, I wasn't getting involved in any hands. I, I was, like, done for the week, actually. This was my last night. I was leaving the next day, and I'd been playing, like, you know, big stack, playing hard and fast for weeks. And so I was just, like, kind of locked up for the week. So I'm not playing hands. The game just sort of deteriorated. And so then I went down and met the young guy. You know, his name was Dominic, and we had a nice little chat, right? And he said, the other day when we were playing, you know, we played for like four hours. And he goes, he goes, this is exactly what he said. You were winning pots from me in unfathomable ways. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best compliment I've ever gotten. <laughs> and I don't know if he meant I was just playing like shit or not. You know, I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, I couldn't believe you were calling with that crap. Or you exactly. were really, really creative. <laughs> I didn't want the interpretation but i've always liked the word unfathomable in the first place so <laughs> that's tremendous <laughs> yeah actually i did tell him i said well that's because you know you were being led down you know dark alleys never been explored before by an insane person you know that's the only reason <laughs> he said, i kept finding myself in these situations i've never been before he's like well you know it happens. <laughs> Note to self, don't play in Tommy's 510 game. <laughs> um, it is it is fun. I do have a lot of fun. I do I do I am able to send some real misdirection plays because, you know, I'm able to I'm able to convince people I'm an old nit pretty convincingly. And then and then, you know, then crazy stuff happens after that once I know they think that. And then they come <laughs> out of the bag and, you know, Change tables. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Matt Flynn, has he ever tried to convince you to play a tournament? Because when he was on our show, he told us he, that he bought into a tournament and re immediately regretted it. And then Ed Miller said he bought Ed into a tournament. We figure it's some sort of trick where Matt tries to punish other people by buying them into tournaments. He didn't try that one on me, but he might have known it was completely hopeless. <laughs> I mean, I just no, wasn't sure I, if he I, had I, some sort of big, broad scam among all of his friends trying to trick them into suffering in ways that he knows better than to do himself. I wouldn't put that put. I wouldn't put that past him. That's <laughs> be a, that would be right up his alley. And, and you are one hundred percent not a tournament guy, right? Right. In fact, I was. Uh, you guys know uh, Marco. Quad uh, Jack. From Quad, Quad Jack. Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had his hallway interview stand. You know. There were a couple times we were almost going to do an interview, and I thought I had a pretty good lead story for him, which is, you know, his typical way to interview is, you know, what are you playing, what are you doing, and all that. And and I've been going to the World Series almost every single year since 1987, and I've never played one event. Oh wow! So I might I might hold some kind of record for that. <laughs> <laughs> and 
no interest whatsoever, no curiosity? Um, well, no. Um, I mean, the reasons for not playing them have changed over the years. There's always been a different set, you know, kind of as I've changed. The way I look at it as now is like, okay, there are hundreds of thousands of things every single day that I don't do, and playing tournaments is just one more of them. You know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the main, the, the basic reason, like in the 90s, or, you know, when I started really professional mindset and going to the World Series in 1987, and during the first 12 or 15 years, whatever, I just wasn't bankroll. I mean, I'd be going out there with three grand total, you know, playing 2040 was dicey, and that's what I played. And it just. That's exactly what I've been doing, and that's exactly my bankroll. And I played an event every year for the past three years, somehow. <laughs> well, that's because you sold all your action. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. I, I don't know. Just and, and and also, I you know, I mean, I didn't think I any had any realistic shot back then of actually having edge in the field. You know, just none of it appealed to me. But then later on, as I got and I did play a lot of tournaments. Um, smaller tournaments local at lucky chances and then online i played many multi-table tournaments in about a, you know many many sit and goes and this was like you know 2001 2 3 right when they came out 2002 2003 and so it isn't like i haven't played a ton of tournaments i've been many final tables i know about the excitement of it but now i look at it as like well first of all like in Elements of Poker, the pain is just a different it's a different kind of pain. <laughs> yes. I don't, you know, I just don't like it at all. And and now it's it's a then I realize that my profit margin comes largely from picking who I play against and picking my quitting time. So, you know, anything about playing my A game more often and all that, the key tool to that is being able to quit when I feel like shit. And so I can't quit when I feel bad playing a tournament and I don't get to, you know, choose who I'm going to play against. And I was like, man, if you take that away, you know, what's left in terms of really being able to make money. Um, and so when it comes down to just hourly earn, I, you know, I'd be sitting there in a tournament and I'd look over at the next table where my 2040 game was. And I was like, why am I not over there <laughs> so I for about three years before I realized I don't think tournaments is really a smart move for me. You also have to stand in line to pee, you know, because everyone's always one at the same time. That's my biggest pet peeve. That is a thing. That's in Elements of Poker, too, actually. I have the whole list in there. (laughs) It's like, actually, where I put it in there is, you know, the the big attraction of being a professional poker player is you can arrange your life so that you don't have to stand in line for anything, right? That's very true. No one's there. You can go get gas when no one's there, all that, if you want. And so the whole idea of, like, choosing to play a poker event so that I get to go stand in line to pee. It just went against everything. <laughs> it kind of makes me reflect on people who travel the circuit, and they, it makes me think, oh, they're that's like an actual job. Like, they're just doing a real job. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're traveling the world, standing in line to pee. That makes no sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're worse jobs, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there's, the, well, then there's the fluctuation knit thing, which is, you know, I like to make steady predictable money not a lot of lot of not a lot of huge swings i used to love huge swings you know that was a long time ago and so that's the other thing is that just the fluctuation of tournaments is another another thing i don't need there's something funny about 
steady predictable income and being a poker player (laughs) (laughs) yeah out of all the professions in the world for steady predictable income Mm -hmm. well uh, i'll tell you something raised raised raisee said a long time ago this very funny he was down here we used to all go out to dinner together because he'd come and play lucky chances in the winter and so one of our guys had graduated from stanford and we were like celebrating his degree and everything and we're like what are you going to do next and he's like well i think i'm going to go get a job you know get established in my industry and then then take a shot at professional poker and see if i really have what it takes he's a really good player and ray says oh no no you're doing it all wrong he goes what you want to do is get your poker game up to where you know you can make a living at poker no matter what. Then you have security. <laughs> then you have a safety net. <laughs> then you go out of business and take your chances and fail and flail, and it won't matter. He, and he was basically saying, you know, the business is the unpredictable thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And depending on the business, he's very right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fortunately for me, working for the government, uh, I'm pretty safe at least for the next few years. Yeah, the government <laughs> hires for incompetence, not again, and they don't let that go. So Tom's fine. Yeah, and they promote incompetence too. So <laughs> <laughs> promotion coming your way. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of elements of poker, um, I heard you have another book you're working on. I am. I'm working on a book called Painless Poker. Um, I'll just. Uh, I, and I have a newsletter now. I have a couple little things going on, I, and I have Facebook pages. I haven't really told anybody about it yet, but I'm going to put it on a blog post. But I have Facebook pages for all my books, and I have a newsletter. You can go to my site and sign up for it. And in my latest newsletter, I was writing about painless poker, and the what I said in there is like no matter what I tell people about, the, the, they always ask the same question, which is when's it coming out? And um, – it always feels my answer is that it always feels to me like it's going to be done in about two years. And I've been saying that for about two years. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. All right. I actually was looking at recently and I did, I started on it. I kind of started on it when I finished elements of poker in a way, cause I'm always collecting material and I did a whole bunch of coaching for two years. And that's really where I gained a lot of material. And, um, <clears throat> but it's, it, I'm working on it every day and it's going really, really well but it is going to be a while before it's done but uh, i can tell you the the fun part about it is the, the most of the book is set in a fictional setting called the painless poker clinic and this is a place where it's me running the clinic sitting around with seven poker players and each of these players is a combination of classic poker archetype personalities and betting styles and lifestyles and everything got a couple of young pros you know one's a multi-table online the other one's a live tournament player uh Got an older, crazy Asian guy. Got a woman who's been dealing and grinding on and off for 20 years, and she's like all crusty and bitter. <laughs> and, and so each of these people, they the reason they're there is that they were all beamed there at their moment of greatest pain, at their moment of absolute most intense tilt. So each of them has a story to tell of like what they were doing at the moment they got beamed to the clinic. And so now we're all going to sit around and you know fix all their problems. And um, does the professional come and guest speak? Well, <laughs> no. Well, he might. I mean, no. I mean, I mean, you're still writing it, so I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm just giving you, you know, gold gems uh, here. Well, when the acknowledgments for an attempt at a at a usable idea. <laughs> <laughs> and how about for the phrase "gold gems"? Yeah. <laughs> 
actually, I do have a character who might show up in part three, the final part. And and he's a, he would, he's a monk. So one of the things that happens there, it's a very realistic place, except that it has this magic element where if, if something comes to mind to me, I can just it'll just appear sometimes. And so, like, there's one place where one of the guys who Mick, Mick Stanley, who's the he, he just doesn't buy any of my bullshit. You know, he's calling me on everything all the time. And in one place where he's like, OK, I want to hear all this stuff about meditation from a higher authority. And so this monk appears. OK. And if if this actually happens, his name is going to be Mo M.O. Chin, M.O. space C.H.I.N., which in Cantonese means no money. <laughs> and that's one of the phrases I learned when I was learning Cantonese at Lucky Chances so that I would know what these guys were talking about at the end of the hand when they're saying I had <laughs> yeah, I wanted to know, right? So I learned all this shit and I learned a bunch of phrases and, and I heard Mo Chin. You know, I hear a guy say something other than Mo Chin. I was like, what's that mean? No money. You know, it means the guy was asking for a loan, probably. Uh, and I thought, what a great name for a monk. You know, Mo Chin. And so I, so if this character exists in the book, it'll only be because I really want to use this name. That'll be the primary. <laughs> it's your book. You got to do that. Sure. <laughs> Andrew, it almost sounds like, uh, yeah, it almost sounds like this is the, uh, the Elkie Traz from the micros where they send Rose to fix her tilt problems. It's like the tilt asylum. <laughs> well, um, well, I, which episode was that? I think that was the one where they go to Australia after she tilts away the bankroll. I don't remember Spo- that particular. Spoiler story. alert. I think it's episode three. Yeah. I have one one idea is to have a uh, – uh, speaking of Jay and the micros. Oh, Jay and I played 510 I'll tell you about that. Uh, so, um, you know, in uh, Two Months, Two Million, they had the tilt room. Mm-hmm. At, at the poker clinic, I'm thinking of having a um, – the thing about calling it the white room based on like the the cream song that's a little bit obscure but it'd just be a room where you go in there and there's the only thing you can do in there is like lie on the ground there's nothing you know know, it's just like this this space yeah it'd be another way to undo the tilt it's like the other you know the other end of the spectrum yeah it just depends on your personality for someone bipolar they could enter either door right pick your door I don't know if that's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> that was not a gold gem, that was for sure. What kind of gem was that? Gold. Oh, gold gem. Yeah, yes. you know, your standard gold gem, you know. <laughs> that's like an iron pyrite gem. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of Cantonese, all my Cantonese knowledge is from Wayne's World um, and from, uh, what's what's the girl's name in Wayne's World? A lot of knowledge here. <laughs> yeah, what's that? You know that character from that movie twenty years ago? Oh, am I the only one who's a big Wayne's World fan? Apparently, I can look it up for you. <laughs> Cassandra. World. Cassandra. All right, Cassandra. She, she's uh, Cantonese. Cassandra Wong. Who didn't know that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know Zhang means excellent. Now that's only assuming that you know what's in that movie is true. <laughs> right. Right. Because Wayne's World, I mean, that was a documentary on something, right? That was very factual. It wasn't yeah, a well, comedy. it was all about Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of factual, uh, how was your session with Jay, Tommy? <laughs> well, uh, it was great for Jay. I mean, he was just like, just he, he won about five pots and then we left. No, it was, it was fun. 
we had a really good time. And, and um, uh, Jay and I have a little tradition of going up in the room and, and hanging around and talking about writing for a couple hours. And that that's a huge thing we have in common now that we're really both into writing so much. And, yeah, that's, he's really working on his uh, latest script. Yeah, and it's just fun. It's just really fun talking to him. I, I always learn a ton. and You know, we trade ideas and materials and books to read and whatever. And Yeah, that's great. Did you win any pots off of him in unfathomable ways? No, no. <laughs> I, have a, I tend to not play pots against people I know in situations like that. I, I, I've often thought, like, against, okay, if I'm playing with a client and it's, and it's, we're officially doing the program where, you know, we're playing to Venetian and the whole point of the session is to, is to, is mutual observation. It's not about strategy analysis. Situations like that. The first time I came up, I was coaching very long time, I was coaching limit and, you know, guy raises or no, no, my client raises playing limit 2040 and I'm sitting there with ace king suited. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. And I just mucked it, you know, because my, and my job is to watch him play a hand. You know, that's really what I'm supposed to do is watch what he does on the turn, watch what he does on the river, his mannerisms, everything, anything I can observe. And that's when I realized, you know, this is a whole different ballgame. And so there have been a couple times where I folded like tens or jacks in a casual game, like where, you know, like if Jay raised or whatever, and it's last on me, I'm just not even going to bother seeing the flop. But I've often wondered how high I would go. I don't think I would. I know I would not fold aces. I could conceivably fold queens and I probably wouldn't fold kings either. <laughs> I'd probably just shove all in. <laughs> yeah. To hear you that. be able to say you definitively, definitively would not fold aces is interesting, though, because you're the only person I know that's excited about folding aces. Oh, that, well, just once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not crazy. <laughs> right. I was only crazy once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually sat down with a couple friends in Vegas uh, while we were waiting uh, to go to dinner, we just sat down and played some one-two, and everyone was like, "All right, all right, we're just gonna try to stay away from each other and not really, you know, play too many pots together. You know, don't get crazy with one another." Mm-hmm. And immediately, I pulled off a big bluff against my friend. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Tom! <laughs> the trust, the trust yeah. level is. And my friend later was like, "You have no cooth. You have no cooth." And Which you like, should have known as your friend. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, I had all kinds of equity. Um, but that went away on the river. Uh, so I had to win the pot. <laughs> right. You had no choice. Yeah. I was. So, how much of the bluff was based on the fact that you kind of implied you guys weren't going to bluff each other, so you figured you must have it? That was a good part of it, is that he's, he's no way. He folded like. I mean, it, it only had like. A top pair weak kicker or something, whatever it was. But did he show it? No, but he told okay, me later. Okay, we don't know what he had. You guys lie all the time. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a very very good point. Yes, and and it could very well be that as soon as you guys made the pact, he knew you were going to abuse it, and he was all ready to pick you off. That would have been a great play. That would have been. Because if you show the bluff out there and he does the hero call, (laughs) even after you promise to not bluff. (laughs) That would be amazing. I would would congratulate him for that. (laughs) I love it. If he's listening, now you know. But he's not listening. Right, for next year. Yeah. 
But if he's listening now, if you want to be part of our segment, Who You Calling an Idiot Dummy, send me an email. <laughs> Tom, Tom called one of the players from his home game an idiot, and then they listened to the podcast and they got mad. So we're trying to get <laughs> someone to come on from his home game to call him an idiot. Oh, okay. <laughs> you make it sound as if I specifically selected someone. And... Okay, he said most of the players in his home game are idiots. And apparently <laughs> one of those idiots learned how to read... One of his two Twitter followers, which is Tom, announced that he has a podcast about poker, and surprise, surprise, he listened. <laughs> <laughs> but that Tom's one of the best in his home game, so. Yeah, it's all good. That's, that's <laughs> what he tells us. <laughs> uh, so, Tommy, you mentioned that you go out um, every year to the World Series and, and never play um, tournaments, which is kind of funny, because last week we had Bart on, uh, Bart Hansen, and... Because that's kind of what I've always done is, you know, I, I'd never really enjoyed the tournaments, although I did play one once. Um, but he's like, why would you ever do that? Like the the cash games are the worst at any point because everybody, you know, is all there. And while that may be true a little bit, it seems like you kind of, I don't know, somebody on Twitter described it as like poker player summer camp where you get to go and see like all your friends and there's activities to do and all that. So. Oh, yeah. You mean for me? Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Well, well. As far as the the income potential, okay. No matter how bad anybody says or thinks those cash games are, they're still way 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 better play for me than a tournament financially. You know, in terms of my expectation. Yeah. Okay. And it turns out that my expectation in those that particular five ten pool is based on my data is really good. You know, I I really bring my very very best to that game. Um, you know, my objective when I'm playing now is to actually pay attention to every single street of every hand, and that's something I never even I never even thought of as a as a concept of that even that I even want to do. Okay, but that's where I'm at now. I mean, I really really play my very very best, and you know, my results have been good. Which granted, it's a fairly small sample size, but um, but for me, that's just a piece of it. Like you said, it's like I'm in a writing phase where I don't I don't play locally. I om- I play almost no poker all year long. Long. So when I go down there, I end up running into or either by scheduling or just randomly, like 20 clients, you know, 20 friends, and then new people. Like this year, I met with Bill Reney, the blogger, for the first time. Okay. And, you know, I go. I I didn't go to the uh, I had a couple dinner type things, you know, where there were big groups. And so it's, it really is a convention uh, mindset for me when I go down there. It's like there's much more to it than the, than the poker. And actually, it's actually one more reason why I wouldn't want to play a tournament is because of the time commitment. You know, I can get in five or six hours of playing poker in between, or, you know, while doing all this other socializing. But if I'm committed to a tournament, and one of my buddies is in town and he texts me and he says, Hey, I'm here. I'm leaving tomorrow morning. I'm like, well, too bad. Maybe I'll see you next year. You know, so that, that doesn't work either. So I have a question. How often or how long do you play? At, down there? Yeah. Like uh, session length. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm never in my chair for more than an hour and a half at a time. So the longest session I played was probably five hours. And then, but sometimes I'll play, let's say for an hour or an hour and a half. And rather than take a break, um, 
and come back to the same table, I'm not quite sure how long a break I'm going to take. So I'll just quit. But then I might be back in the room an hour later, you know, and getting another game. So I was probably averaging about six hours of play per day. Oh, wow. Which is which is a lot for me. Believe yeah, I was going to say if if you actually truly are paying attention as closely as you say, and and you know noting every street and you know paying attention when you're not in the hand. That I mean that takes a lot of mental effort, and and you're going to have to reset, yeah. like you said, like every hour, hour and a half, just to to well, refresh. Well, let me clarify. I didn't say that I do that. I said that's oh. my objective. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but but but, but I reset every hand. So you're right. It does take a lot of effort, but it's very it's easy for me to do it when I'm doing it well, because I reset every hand and that's really what I'm doing. And so when I take a break, I'm really taking a break. Um, And, you know, I've been working on this long time and it's that's part of what's really exciting for me is just doing that. You know, the act of playing poker has really become a meditation for me where, you know, the the sitting and the breathing and the posture and the concentrating is really uh, it generates a great feeling of well-being for me, um, kind of independent of the poker, if that makes any sense. No, that actually makes a ton of sense because right now I'd say one of my biggest leaks is playing on my iPad, you know, <laughs> while playing, watching the NBA game or, you know, whatever, whatever yeah. what have you. Right. Um, and All I think it would actually, you, like you said, like sometimes the poker can honestly be kind of monotonous. But if I went into it with a different mindset of I'm going to essentially, you know, meditate at the poker table and just do this, that and the other, pay attention, be disciplined and then take that as the game and then just know that I'm going to make, you know, standard fundamental poker plays, you know, aside from that, that would that would actually be a really good thing to try. It is good. And and what happens for me is it, it. it takes my game up to where I'm playing it sort of the way I would be, you know, playing drums in the middle of some long Grateful Dead jam or something. You know, it's like I'm not really processing information. I'm just reacting. And um, it's that's my ideal state at the table, I think. And, and you know, there's no second guessing, very little second guessing. I, I had like on my third day, I had one period of of where I was feeling a little despondent and feeling a little bit down. And it was so funny. It was like and then out of nowhere, I remembered a hand from the first day that I kind of fucked up. And I had totally forgotten about that hand, you know, and it cost me whatever, 1500 or something. And so here it is three days later. And I'm like, then I started beating myself up over that hand three days later because I had come down into like the normal busy brain mindset of, you know, second guessing and fears and all that. Wow. I'm actually excited to go play poker again right now for the first time in a while just to try this. I give it, yeah, I give it just, 20 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the thing is, the, seriously, the way to look at it is you're always going to fall off that, that train of concentration. It's all, it's all about getting back on it. There's no way to maintain it. So the, the practice is to to catch yourself when you're not doing it, whatever it is, and then get back on. So it, it's that repetitive act of that's why I say about, you know, recentering or refocusing every hand. That's the key to the whole thing for me is being able to get back on no matter what, have, you know, happened before. Yeah, I feel like I just got some free coaching. 
<laughs> when we told you to stop using your iPad, it was just us pestering you, and now yes. it's coaching. <laughs> well, I was I was uh, with a client, and it was like the first night we played, you know, and he's all over his uh, device, you know, and uh, you know, which is fine. I mean, whatever. And so the next night we're getting ready to play, we're at the podium getting ready to sign up, and I'm like, let me see your cell phone. You know, he hands it to me. And I put it in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and he just thought it was white, you know, because he knew what I was. He knew what I was doing, and he knew there was no turning back. You know, I said, "We're going to go play for an hour. It's your cell phone in my pocket. Let's see what happens." <laughs> uh, he survived. <laughs> yeah, that. And then it had an hour-long call that you had made with somebody else on his phone <laughs> on his bill. <laughs> Someone that I you heard of. Dialed. <laughs> nice. I heard of a uh, a new alternative to credit card roulette, um, which is that everybody puts their cell phones in the middle, and the first person to touch it has to pay for the bill. And then if nobody touches it by the end, then everybody just splits it up evenly. Oh, that's the end is very boring. You can't have. Or or you could just do regular credit card. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, do you guys know what it means to uh, to pay your like uh, what a time pot is? Yeah. Um, like a time rake. Yeah, where where okay. okay let's say let's say the uh, half hour collection in a live cash games eight bucks a half an hour. Let's say there's ten people playing, so the the table's going to pay eighty bucks, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of the dealer sitting down and getting eight bucks from everybody, one person just puts up eighty bucks. They drop it, and then the the first the next pot over some pre agreed amount like three hundred or whatever, um, that person pays the whole eighty back to the person who initially put it up for the table like a oh, loan. Okay. okay, it's it's all done to just save time. And it, it, and I played in player pools where this was standard. Lucky chances no limit game was like that. Okay, so if you're a loose player, if you're tight, if I'm playing really tight, I want to be on the time pot. One time I went 17 consecutive downs without paying time. It has to be. I think that's got to be a record. <laughs> anyway, um, but if I'm if I'm jazzed up, if I'm in the game and playing, you know, playing a lot of hands, I'll. What you want to do is pay your own time. So I'll pay my own eight bucks, and then the time pot deal ends up being 72 bucks. Okay. So any player, it's an agreement among the players. Anybody can pay their own time if they want. They don't have to go in on the risk 80 or save 8 deal, okay? Does okay. that make any sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was at a big dinner in Vegas a few years ago with, like, Phil Galpon, David Benefield, all these rich poker players, right? And they were doing credit card roulette, first time I'd ever seen it. And they explained the rules to me. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a nit. Right. <laughs> I would way, way rather pay my own hundred than risk paying twelve hundred or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. And so when it came time, I said, I'll pay my own time, <laughs> which is exactly <laughs> it's exactly the same as paying your own time in a time pop. It, <laughs> I don't want to take the I don't want that fluctuation risk is all it comes down to. And I guess that comes to whether it's like how much do you eat then whether you're a lag or are you (laughs) (laughs) tom would definitely be a lag yeah (laughs) because i'd order multiple desserts i would definitely want to be paying uh or not paying my time it's like going out to dinner with a group where someone's like oh why don't we just split the bill where what we're splitting it for is less than the cost of their entree and it's like yeah that doesn't really work (laughs) you had six drinks on top of that i don't think so right (laughs) that's just encouragement for you to drink more yeah 
listening to podcasts where you drink is enough for me to not drink more. It's morning time. I'm not drunk yet. <laughs> George has a habit of drinking every podcast. <laughs> but that's the only time I drink is just for the podcast, usually. It's for well, our benefit. I'm I'm a I'm always in favor of doing whatever it takes to ease the pain a little bit, you know. <laughs> There's an entire chapter in the new book on drinking during podcasts. Oh, <laughs> well, there was this one guy, a dealer at Lucky Chances, and he said he would. He always said the best time to drink is first thing when you get up because that's when you feel best. You know, it's like why? That's when you have all your energy. So that's when you get the most mileage out of your buzz. He's like, why wait till the very end of your day when you're all tired? <laughs> Where's the fun in that? <laughs> nice. I may, I may have to find this guy and yeah. have a chat with him. <laughs> we'll discuss strategy. <laughs> discuss drinking strategy mm-hmm. all right well uh, i want to thank you for coming on tommy did you have anything else you wanted to discuss no what's uh what's the address of your blog so people can find it tommyangelo.com slash blog <laughs> nice and easy i and like if it go, if you go to either you know my main site or the blog um there's mailing the sign up forms so you can get on the mailing list. I'm actually doing it. I've sent out four. Um, and also, oh, I have a, um, a a standing offer that I I might just do forever with all books, which is if you buy the print version, you get the ebook for free. Oh wow, nice. My my reasoning there is it's it's sort of like buying, um, you know, license to software. It's like mm. you know you've already paid for it, and it doesn't cost me anything to send you an ebook. So you know, there you go. And I also want to mention a rubber band story. Uh, your is that your second book? Yes. Yeah, I I read that um, a little while ago. Well, it's been some time now, but I really really enjoyed it. It's one of those easy fun reads, uh, and I highly recommend it. Cool. Glad you liked it. Oh, and I have a Tommy Angelo page at Facebook now, an official one where you can go like me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just got that going. Do you know if it's Facebook.com uh, slash Tommy Angelo? It's actually Facebook.com slash Tommy Angelo Operations. Oh, okay. Sounds like I had enough surgeon. people like me already that I could customize my URL. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you very much, Tommy. Hey, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Mitch's Minute. If you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, then last night was the season 5 premiere of Breaking Bad. Now, Breaking Bad is apparently a show about a high school chemistry teacher that gets diagnosed with cancer, and he turns to selling meth in order to pay for his treatment. Now, I've been told that the first two seasons of the show are a little bit slow, but it's worth getting through them to get to the later seasons where the show really shines. Um, but much like doing meth, I don't really see the point. Um, I don't even know what the desired effects of meth are, but I've never really thought to myself, hmm, maybe I should try some meth, and it's kind of the same thing with the show here. So, uh, Anyways, I don't even have enough bandwidth or space on my hard drive for it, so I think that I'll just add this to the list of really good TV shows that I don't get or enjoy, and uh, maybe it's just that American television is too foreign to me. So anyways, uh, this is Mitch's Minute, and it's the best podcast segment on the internet.
Thanks to Tommy Angelo for providing a great interview. Uh, thanks to Mitch for Mitch's minute, I guess. And thanks to TJ for his hugging the rail. Also, uh, a couple episodes ago, we had a, a listener, Mike G from Yukon, uh, tweet at us that he likes to listen to our podcast while playing tournaments. And he just shipped a $200 deep stack tournament while listening to the podcast. And we got the hashtag my lucky podcast. Nice. Um, I feel like because of that, maybe Mike wants to uh, send a little kickback. You can send it to PayPal, badooyallstars at gmail.com. So, uh, you know, just whatever you feel like, Mike. Yeah, we should start a Kickstarter. We should, uh, we should probably start a PayPal account. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm just thinking if we're going to start soliciting funds, we probably should have a way to receive them. Yeah, just sign up right now. And by the time this airs, Michael... I hope- Hold on. This is riveting. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I guess I should probably do the rest of the outro first. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, you can check us out at badoogieallstars.com, facebook.com slash badoogieallstars, twitter.com slash badoogieallstars. Um, listen on Stitcher if you want. And if you're listening on Stitcher or you have a hand to send us, you know, send us an email, badoogieallstars at gmail.com. I still am skeptical of people listening on Stitcher, but supposedly it happens. Um, if you want to give us a rating on iTunes, do that. <laughs> All right. And if you uh, want to I send guess... us money, badoogieallstars at gmail.com on PayPal. Yep. All right. This is Tech with Super Bowl signing off. This is Nixon the Grouch also signing off. <laughs> this is 2-4 Offsuit also signing off. All right. See you guys next week. Say quote unquote when something. You said question mark. <laughs>